It's time for another edition of Dome and Domer, the only podcast for Notre Dame fans by Notre Dame fans. If you're looking for cogent analysis and unbiased opinions backed by careful reporting, you've come to the wrong place. For the next 20 minutes or so, you'll get a fan's perspective on the Fighting Irish without all the normal spin from the so-called professional analysts. It's Dome and Domer. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Brammer and Ed Jordanic. Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to another edition of Dome and Domer. My name is Mike Brammer. Joining me tonight, Ed Jordanic. Also joining us from ndnation.com, Mike Coffee. And I'm the one who doesn't have ice cream. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I eat pie when I'm really upset. I'm it's going to be that kind of show. <laughs> I started eating We're all pie diving pie. into the comfort food. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I wanted to start with this because I do kind of think this is fascinating. It's it's the good and bad of college football. Um, the, the the great thing about college football is is what happened Saturday night. If you're a fan of college football, forget about what happened to Fighting Irish. But just in terms of the game itself, the atmosphere, the hype, everything. Uh, it's just a phenomenal game. Right. But. What then happens is, is all of the commentary after the game, and that's where things just go kind of crazy. And the point I would I don't make know what is that's that, like at all. I have no <laughs> so, idea what that's like. Here's a, here's a perfect example. So the, the narrative, you know, that night and into the next morning, the next day is, oh, my God, Tom Accord is everything Ohio State was hoping he'd be. And this this is a guy that is the guy, according to Joel Clatter, a couple of the guys I was watching. Anyways, the point being is that all of a sudden this guy's just God's gift to Ohio State based on the game that he had, which ended in him in the final drive. All credit to him, no doubt about it. However, there's three plays that happened in that last four minutes that if any one of those plays happened to go our way, it's a completely different narrative, and it's the exact opposite. And I know that the one that everybody's going to point to is the missed interception by DJ Brown, because if he does catch that, completely different narrative, like completely different. <laughs> and all it took is that one little play that didn't happen, that then the next day the whole narrative changes. Um but obviously, and I'll start with you, Coffee, because I know you're probably burning. But, mm. I mean, in the last four minutes, there were several things we didn't execute, even though it was right there in front of us. Um, you had the mishap with the handoff in the backfield. I don't even know what to make of that. I tried to watch it, and I'm trying to figure out what exactly happened there. Did Hartman pull it himself because he saw that the play was being blown up and thought maybe I should – pull it on my own and get around the end? Or was I, that, I, think I don't think it was pulled, a design play. I, I think he pulled it maybe because he was, a, he, he saw, like you said, he saw the play was being blown up. And the, I think he just wanted to avoid the turnover, figuring I'm just going to, this this is going south quickly. I'm going to take the ball, keep the ball in my own hands. If I can get away from this guy, fine, but. I'm not going to be the one that puts it on the ground. So, and I, not that he thought the running back would, but I think he just in the moment said, it's not safe to hand this ball off. It and looked to yeah, me like love screwed up. What's that? A little bit. There was, like there was some sort of miscommunication. Oh, well, possibly. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, you know, Ed, on the next play, or not the next play, but, the but you know, on that screen pass, okay? Yeah. <laughs> when when you looked way, at the replay... Way, before, we, before we get to the next play, neither of those running backs should have been in the game. There should have been three tight ends in the game, and estimate should have been in the game, and they should have run the ball straight straight up their asses because they were they were they were beating Ohio State at the point of attack. Yeah. And it was ridiculous. Late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. 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 I mean they just got due first downs. I mean what's there were the two first having, downs prior to that. Of, what's the point of having, you know, Jerome Bettis 2.0 if he's not on the field for the last three plays of the, you know, that you have the ball. It makes no sense. Yeah. Um well, you know, now to to in defense of that, we were running the football no matter who was in the backfield. And that's a credit to the guys that we got, but we moved the football the entire night. I mean, we had 175 yards, so something was going right. Um, but, but I, to your, yeah, I get the point you're saying, but well, he, had, he had a 12 yard carry and then he came off the field and never came back on. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit weird, a little bit. He had 14 carries and that's about what he's been having every single game. Well, yeah, because he, he's played three quarters the other games. <laughs> I mean, you know, true. Some of that. True. I, I thought it was, I thought it was very interesting. Now, listen, granted, I mean, he got about nine yards and eight carries uh, to start the game, but to me, it looked like a it looked like a very sort of game plan that we're familiar with. You know, where they did not abandon the run. They beat them. They, you know, they they beat them up. They beat them up. They beat them up, or they tried to beat them up, and they weren't always successful. But if their if their yards per carry was, I wouldn't be surprised if their yards per carry was, you know, three point nine in the first half and five point nine in the second half. Well, I think at the end of the game it was like over five. Right. So maybe it was like six point nine in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been because it was over five. I'm pretty sure. So. But, but, you know, again, going back to the screenplay, Sorry, yeah. if Hartman executes that, uh, it might have been a touchdown. Forget about the first down. It might have been a touchdown. There were. Well, that, I, I well, looked at that again, and I, I'm not so sure of that. I mean, there was another. It was a first was down for sure. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, their linebackers are pretty fast. There was, a, there was an Ohio State guy out there. I don't know if he could have, if he could have knocked, um, who, who was the. Uh, who was the running back receiver? Was it Payne or who was it? No, I think it was Love again, wasn't it? Or I think it was Price. Actually, no, it was J- Oh, it was Price. You're right. It was Jadarian Price. Yeah. Yeah. Who's got yeah, good hands? Who's got yeah. great hands? Yeah, but I mean, the, the, there were linemen in front of him, but there was a there was a linebacker I think coming from. There was him. a linebacker out there, but if I, I want to say it was at least three on three on two or. Well, I didn't think that the I didn't think that the two blockers for Notre Dame, the two offensive linemen, were in good position. They were in good position to get guys downfield. But I didn't think they were in very good position to get the guy that was coming kind of from the line of scrimmage. Or um, one of the, I think it was one of the blitzers that kind of veered off uh, to Price when he saw that it was a screen pass. Because you'd remember they were kind of bringing the house on that play. They were, but yeah. but it was a short. I mean, it was he short armed it. I mean, he clearly Price oh, yeah, was there. No, it was, it was, it was not yeah, a, I mean, it just what he didn't right. execute. Right. And, but if you look at a couple of replays, I mean, it would have it 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 would have been a pretty pretty damn good throw to hit to hit the guy in stride i mean it was not an easy pass yeah. considering yeah. what was in front of him i mean it would have, would have been a teardrop over that guy who's a pretty big guy <laughs> you know yeah. Um, yeah. to get it to price and there would have been much room between price and the sidelines when if he caught it in stride and i'm just saying i'm i, I hope you're right i mean i well not i hope you're right i mean i think i think you know it's 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 it's, it's very hard to say 
Um, but uh, I mean, I, but, think uh, my, yeah, I guess to the original point, I mean, the game, if he makes that first down, the game's over. That would have ended the game. Let's put it this way. At the very least, um, we needed him to catch the ball and stay in bounds. <laughs> yeah, right. Even, even if yeah. it was Force a one time out. Right. Even exactly. If it was a one yard yeah. loss. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and but, you let's know, also remember both the guy who got the sack on the first down and the guy who blew up the uh, screen pass play. Kid was a number two ranked recruit in his class, and or like the and the, like the number one linebacker, or the number one lineman in California, or something like that. I mean, this 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 was a five star plus kid. Those kids are going to make those kind of plays, and yeah. I mean, good on him for making that for uh, ma- making both those stops and really making a huge huge difference in a game. That's why you recruit kids like that. Were they on yeah. the right hash when they ran that play? Yeah, they were. I want to say they were. Yeah, yeah they were. because I mean, you know. So, you, so then you're playing three defenders with, you know, with the sideline. Well, it's another and defender. Make, and you can make an argument there to follow up on Mike's point that, you know, you you run that play, but not against, but not on the side of the field that that guy right. runs. No. Well, it's not like there's bad people on the other side. No, but, no, no. Yeah. It's a little more room to operate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got a little bit more room to operate, and you've got um, – you know, I mean, uh, but again, it's, you know, I don't know enough about, you know, the looks and the, what Hartman saw and et cetera, but I would have, uh, and, and it's very possible that they would have ran estimate on that play, you know, because they were kind of bringing the house that it might've been stopped for, for very yeah. little gain. But if, but if you, but it also is a play where if you just pick off one of the guys that's hitting those gaps, then you, then yeah, he then could you break it. For, right. Yeah. He could, he could yeah. spring for a really big yeah. gain. So yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, look at the. Uh, I mean, obviously, there there's more to the story here, all the way up to the end of the game. However, the point is, is there there were at least three opportunities where the entire narrative changes if any of those three plays go. And, and I I kind of point to the interception as the big one that because it just barely went through his hands. I mean, he, he his hands were there. I think he just didn't think the ball was thrown as hard as it was. And he didn't squeeze it like he should have, and it went right through his hands. Someone um, told me today that it looked like he was already looking down the field. Is that true, or did he? Oh, I mean, it? he jumped it. He jumped it perfectly. He was. No, I mean, no, I mean, in other words, he didn't look the ball into his hands. He, he. Was yeah, already... he did not. He did not yeah. look the ball into his hands. I think he thought he had it and was going to run. <laughs> I mean, there was nobody near him. He was forward momentum, but he jumped it perfectly. I mean, he literally, right, perfectly timed it. It was a little bit high, but you know, again, look, those are the those are the moments where you got to make that play. You just yeah. got to. Yeah. You well, can't drop that ball. It's just not. You just can't. Now, are, well, I'm sure he. I'm sure he and Pete Bursich are going to be meeting at a bar someday somewhere. Exactly. And, and exactly. Each other. Yeah, for those of us of a certain. God love both those guys. So right. Serious PTSD yeah. for those of us of a certain age um, yeah. when we when we saw that because it was sort of like oh. Yeah, it was all over again. You kind of knew it. Well, you know, I, I was watching one of the, and I, I you know, because I usually don't watch these podcasters, but this game just kind of put me into another level. So I started watching multiple ones just to see. And they had, uh, it might have been McAfee, it might have been Pat McAfee's show. But, you know, they, they had a defensive back from the NFL as a guest. And the point McAfee was making was, the, the football gods come into play at that point. 
And the defensive back that was, I don't even know who it was, but the point he was making is when you're another player on the defense and you see that happen, it's deflating. Sure. Because it's like, oh man, dude, come on, man. Like, come right. on. We could have and, been going home. Right. Yeah, we could have been we could have been walking this off. You know? oh, yeah. So yep. it, it yep. does definitely have that kind of negative impact on the rest of the series because of the missed opportunity. Because you start to hang your head. You start to be like, oh God, man, now what? Right. So See, to me, that's another reason why um because in other words, you got you've got to snap your, you got to snap your. I think to me, uh, as a coach, when you see something like that happen, if if you're right, if you know your players could possibly be a little bit deflated or hang your head, then immediately you have to make a call that sort of gets them back in an aggressive mindset. Yes, exactly. In other words, instead of mm -hmm. dropping eight, yeah, um, you know, you're thinking like, okay, I'm going to bring I'm going to bring an extra rusher, or I'm going to send, you know, I'm going to take a chance that McCord isn't going to get very far. So I'm going to abandon the spy and I'm just going to send Bertrand after yeah. him or just, just something to get them on their toes again, real quick, yeah. as opposed to sort of, you know, laying back and thinking you, about, you got to attack, you, you got to put yourself in attack mode is what you got to do. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I mean, we have to talk about this just be not that the whole world hasn't already talked about this, but, um, is, is there any kind of concern that, that, that 10 man situation lingers longer than we kind of hope and has a negative impact on the intangibles of the game against Duke on Saturday, you know, our, our players. I, 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 I think Freeman handled it the right way. He stepped up and he took responsibility. He said, this, this is on me. This is on the coaches. We did not put the players in a position to succeed. I think, that Marcus Freeman has built up a lot of goodwill, not only with the fans, but with his players also. And yeah, everyone involved realized this was a big screw up. And I think Freeman's willingness to like take the, granted the, the buck does stop on his desk. So the fact that he's willing to take responsibility, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or whatever, I, I, I think if I were a player, that would go a long way with me. That, because Notice that we have no idea who the player was who was supposed to be out there. Now, what do you think the chances are with his predecessor that the name would have snuck out somehow during a press conference or something? I, I think Freeman being willing to take full responsibility for it, as he should, is, I think, a big positive. And if, 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 I, if I were a player, I would see that and say, my coach has my back. I'm going to yeah. go have this. I mean, it was a defensive lineman that wasn't in there, but was in the Tennessee game. In the Tennessee State game, was it also a defensive lineman that wasn't on there? I hate to find the answer to that. <laughs> so, but anyways, well, I mean, I'd heard that you know, I'd heard that like, um, you know, Botello misheard the call, and he thought that he wasn't supposed to be out there because um, Ohio State was in kind of a twelve package, and he knows he doesn't go on the field for those. Um, but it was actually, you know, a different. Thing. But you know, like who knows? I mean, like the point is, is that. Um, you know, I don't I, I just think that's one of these situations where that is not on the players. Yes, you'd like to think that a Bertrand or a Kaiser, if they're on the field, you know, are heads up enough to see that yeah. there's only 10 guys. There's nobody in that gap. And they cross the line of scrimmage and make contact in order to get a guy on the field, you know, or they, you know, or they shift somebody or they move some whatever they, you know, they do something. To try yeah, but even that, I think but, is asking I, a lot. Right. No, but, I think it's asking. I think yeah. it's asking a lot. 
But to me, what's absolutely inexcusable is coming out of a timeout without yeah, the it's out of a timeout. on the field. I mean, yeah. that, you know, especially if you're making two calls. Now, to Freeman's credit, he didn't, I don't know if people picked up on it, but he basically said, or maybe I heard this somewhere, so maybe he didn't say it, but my understanding was is that they were going to go with a base defense and he changed it at the last minute or last second. And that was part of the, that was part of the confusion. Um, so if that's, you know, if that's true, again, you know, it's, it's, it, to me, this is a, it's a coaching failure not to have the right, you know, players on the, on the field. And the thing is that really bugs me is people that I was sitting at, as soon as 19 comes running off of their sidelines onto the field. Oh, you knew it was we, going to him. We, we everybody knew, did. We knew everybody knew it was going to him. Right. That they were going to try and jam it in. They only needed yeah. a yard or a half yard. I mean, it was just, <laughs> that's what they were going to do. And to cre- give them credit, you know, they didn't, they didn't wuss out like they did before on fourth down. Um, right. You know, when they ran a jet sweep or whatever they did. Um, and um, so, you know, but I, we just knew it. And so that's what makes it so damn frustrating is, is that, yeah. um, you know, if, who knows? I mean, look how close it was without a guy there. Without a guy there, we still <laughs> almost got him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you just wonder. You know, look, I, I, I think what's real obvious that everybody understands is that Right now, we competed in a, in a game that we normally are nowhere near that in the fourth quarter with a minute to go. Um, there, there was not a single Brian Kelly team that was anywhere near Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. Well, I mean, you could say the 2020 well, game, Clemson. But my, my point is, is that in these type games where it's elite teams, the, the elites, we're not in the game and we haven't been. And we were in the game and owned it and then just let it get away from us. Well, I, I, I can, to, to build on that, I, something that uh, Doug Farmer at uh, NBC wrote, I think today, he said previous game, like over the last couple of years when we would play tough teams, like as you pointed out, Alabama or Clemson at full strength or Georgia, which is the example he used, we would be in a, we would want the team to be in a position that we hoped we could win. Saturday, we were in a position to win. There wasn't a hoping about it. We yep. went toe to toe with Ohio State and we're in a position in the last minute of the game to win. And that in and of itself indicates the improvement, one of the improvements yep. that Marcus Freeman has run. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, I told somebody you can make the argument that that was Marcus Freeman's best and worst game at the same time. In the same, <laughs> yeah. in the same. Because it was, it, True. Was a, yeah. it was a team that was prepared. It was a team that looked like athletically the equal um, to yep. to the opponent. Um, I thought the game plan was sound. Obviously, the defense, you know, I, I think it's what, like 20, 2018 or 2019 since um, Ohio State scored 17 points or less. You mm-hmm. know, so, I mean, there's a lot there, um, but that's what makes it so frustrating. They, they, they really came back from 10 down in the second yeah. half. I mean, oh, exactly. they're down 10 nothing and exactly. put two drives together and ran it. Didn't even like air it out. Right. Just said, hey, we're going back to what we do well right. and we're just going to run it right down their throat. I, we did, we I don't know. Really, that, that... We, we didn't really answer your question, though, about the lingering 10 men thing. And yeah. I think that is something that will, you know, that will that is, you know, that is kind of part of Notre Dame history now. Like nobody's going to forget that for a long, oh, there's a, long this is long the ten man game, yeah. And if this they, is the ten man game, if they lay yeah. an egg on Saturday, 
um, you know, it's going to be even worse. Um, yeah. But um, I mean, I feel like, you know, I feel like they will, I, I just kind of feel like they will win convincingly on, um, on Saturday. Um, I don't know why I feel that way. Uh, I do too. I don't I hope it's not me hoping that, but I, I kind of feel the same way. And I think it's only because if Marcus Freeman is true to what he said since day one, that all we're trying to do is achieve the very highest level we're capable of ch- achieving as a team. That there, there is no, we can't do any better than what's the best of the best for us. And that's what we shoot for on a daily basis. And if they are doing that on a play-by-play basis, they should beat Duke pretty well. I mean, Duke is not Notre Dame. They, they're good, but they don't have, they can't match us. They don't have two lockdown corners like we got. They don't have running backs like we got. They don't have an offensive line like we got. And they don't have Sam Hartman. They got a good quarterback. He's not bad. Yeah. He might even be better in McCoy. You can make maybe possibly make that argument. But I just don't see them staying with us if we're not making mistakes. If we're executing, it's hard to imagine that we can't beat Duke in that scenario. You know, I, don't I think know. it's probably it's probably good that we're going on the road against a, a good team. You know, yeah. that's the way to get your guys' attention. You know, of all the distractions that we had last week with game game day and all that stuff, Duke has to deal with this week. That is definitely something that they're not used to. <laughs> they no. are not used to play. <laughs> they are not used to playing in front of a full stadium, and they are definitely not used to having microphones shoved in their faces all week by every you know press yeah. outlet in North Carolina, not to mention, you know, Reese Davis and, and uh, Desmond Howard and Pat McAfee and the whole thing. So, you know, I, I think uh, my, my sense is that the moment will be a little too big for Duke uh, yeah. and that will play into our hands a little bit. Um, I hope I'm right about that. Um, but, you know, the task doesn't get much easier the next weekend. Um, you know, I don't, I haven't watched much of Louisville but we know Brom is a. Yeah, I, they got some athletes. I watched coach. one of their games. Yeah. They they yeah. definitely have some athletes. Yep. There's no doubt do. about it. They always do. Yeah. A little undisciplined, but man, they got they definitely got some athletes. He put he kind of you know he kind of put together he probably you know, you know he probably utilized the portal. I gotta well believe he anybody. did. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did they get so good so quickly like that? I mean, yeah. they had to. Have, um, Big up. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I I think that the the key will be. How, you know, do we turn the ball over? Because if we get sloppy in the littlest bit, that's where that mindset kicks in. And you're kind of doing the same thing again. Like, oh, man, you know, the guy next to me can't make a play. This is going to (laughs) suck. Things get out of get. I don't want to anticipate that. I really don't. I just I I have a strong sense that this team is a lot better than we think. Um, And I think they proved it on Saturday night. I think it just fell apart on us in the worst way possible. In what a matter guys, of what do you guys feel about the issue of, you know, in the first in the first uh, quarter or whatever, the first drive? I mean, there's an argument to be made, and I think it's, it could be a valid one that, you know, because of the way the college game is is changing a little bit, um, you know, with the, the first down clock, you know, running, et cetera, that there's, you know, Notre Dame only had seven possessions. If you don't count like the kneel down. Yeah. And the, yeah. You know, one you know, in the first quarter. Right. Right. So, you know, so you can make an argument that, 
you know, you send the field goal kicker out there on fourth and one for a 35 yard field goal. Over. I want, that's what I wanted to do. I had people yeah. tell me though, that that's not right. So, you know, in my living room, we got into an argument. I'm like, you take the three points here at home. And they're like, no, 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 no. The, the, whatever it is that everybody goes the by the analytics says, yeah, the analytics say you always go for it fourth and one or less because of the point spread. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you've got to be consistent. And it sounds like Freeman is like, no way, man. Anytime it's fourth and one or less, we're going for it a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. That's what he said. Now, yeah, th- this know. has cost us a couple times. It cost us last year. I mean, maybe it, the story here, you know, maybe the story here is that, uh, you know, they talked about changing holders. I mean, maybe the story here is, you know, we're, we're in, like I said last week, you know, we're infatuated with this kicker because he's got the strongest leg we've had in years, but he's two for seven. Yeah. <laughs> or three for I, seven. I mean, granted, three, for seven. three for seven. I mean, granted, some of them have been, you know, they've been a lot of long yeah. kicks, but it's not like he's shown that he's automatic. No, uh, no, no, no. You know, from four no. in. Um, no. But, you know, on the holder, though, if you do look at that, he, he didn't spin the laces perfectly outward, which uh, will cause the ball to move a little bit when you do that. Yeah, it definitely it does. So I'm, I'm not going to blame him, but when you have that powerful a leg, it, it makes the air, the margin of error even smaller because your your leg is so powerful, accentuates this, you know, that miss, especially well, to, me, the hook. It, to me, I relate it to golf. You know, this is not a guy who's had pressure situations before. And I think like a golf swing, when, when you're excited, when the adrenaline's rushing a little bit, yeah, you over, over pull, you, you, you're right. You tend to, you tend to get a little quick and yep. when you get a little quick. Um, that's when you pull the ball. Um, yeah. and that yeah. maybe, maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Well, uh, um, let's hope it doesn't come down to field goals <laughs> against Duke, but I also don't think that you're going to see us come out and then all of a sudden just, you know, have five possessions in a row where we score five touchdowns. I don't see that happening. Duke's a very well-coached football team. They they got guys that can play. It's not like they're empty like Duke normally is. Um, you don't beat Clemson the way that they did with a bunch of inferior athletes. I mean, they, True, to a certain extent, they're legit. Little, that, that is, I mean, statistically... Clemson pounded on them. They did pound but, them. They turned it over. Yeah, I, I get there, it. There were a couple of weird flukes Definitely. in there. I mean, and I, got, I don't want to take it. Like you said, they've got decent athletes. And Elko de- is a good coach. It's a great so coach. So I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk on Saturday. But I I mean, I, I look at the the speed and the ability that the players on Ohio State have. And then I look at Duke and say, Duke ain't no Ohio State. We just kept, held Ohio State to 10 points yeah. for the vast majority of a game. So yeah. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, I mean, to me, this is the kind of game where if you, there's no reason why if you don't sort of, you know, like like you said, Mike, avoid the mistakes that, you know, by the middle of the third quarter, you know, we should be getting six, seven yards of carry. I mean, yeah. I think yep. that we should be able to manhandle them up front, you know, after an hour or two. Um, and, and that should put the game away, at least, you know, in theory, that's how it should work, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be, there's going to be a story coming out of this game. That's for sure. Uh, Cause I think all eyes are on Marcus Freeman and the staff. How do they respond to this? How do they, you know, almost like it's them now that's got to show up you know, because of the last play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, will, I will say that I wish they would have had a, a PR person 
tell him like, okay, you very well may have done it, but you don't need to share with the media that now you have a signal for 10 men on the field. Yeah, that kind of, <laughs> you know, like I, I was, as if it's going to happen I, again. I, I didn't <laughs> see it. I was kind of hoping he was being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually see him actually talk about it. So yeah, I was hoping that, he was being sarcastic about it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think he was. And, and, you know, that's kind of one of those that like, okay, you know, you, you just, you just got to keep that to yourself. You know, even if yeah. you, even if you do have that going forward, which probably makes sense, you know, like, you know, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, but I mean, it's such a crazy, unique situation where you're going to signal some guy to go into the neutral zone and touch one of their offensive yeah, lines. I, I just, that, that's so you know, hard. To, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you know, so it just kind of makes it, you know, you, you just, you know, he was the one that says, listen, we got to move on. We got to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that was better left unsaid. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm willing to offer myself for every home game this moving forward that I will count every player on every snap of the ball, and I promise to with to to call down to the sidelines if there's not eleven guys. I mean, well, don't don't you have a grad assistant doing this? I mean, it's fine to me. I mean, 20, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but geez, Louise, in man, 2020, <laughs> in 2023 college football, you could probably make 78 grand a year just with doing that job. You could probably have a, a special assistant to the assistant coordinator, and you could. Uh, you could make a living wage on that, doing that. So. Exactly. We, we had a meme on the board saying, hey, there's going to be a new analyst at the Goog on Wednesday. And you open it up and it's count, 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 count. Yeah. Well, yeah, look, I mean, it, 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 let's hope that, you know, we can kind of put this behind us. I think a, a big win at Duke will do that. Um, this team is, needs to get back on solid ground, solid footing. And hopefully they're having a hell of a week, you know. Like this is you, you got to take a, a take advantage of these opportunities. I mean, Holtz was a master at this man. The, the, you knew what was coming Monday at practice when things went wrong on Saturday. I mean, it was just no doubt about it. So I, I think that the whole entire team, this is an opportunity for them to kind of band together. You know what I mean? Like now, instead of Ryan Day claiming it's Ohio against the world, it's Notre Dame against the world. And, um, you know, I, I think that they're going to have to come together as a team and they got to dig deep and write themselves because it is going to be there's four games in a row that, man, there's there's no letting up. I mean, that's a tough run what they're faced with the next the next four weeks. Yeah, not I mean, an easy I do, one. I do think it's a pretty good sign, and pretty ironic that, you know, a month ago, uh, you know, we're defining its success as, you know, 10 and two in a New Year's six game. And now we're like, you know, hacked off that we damaged our playoff chances. So, right. I mean, that in itself is not a, a you know, a bad development. Um, and I do think that, you know, again, you got to now when you lose in college football, which which is what makes the game so great, um, you know, you got to you got to rely on others. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So next year. But... Yeah. And, Other uh, games become interesting that you would never pay attention to. <laughs> Right. And, you know, it sucks. You know, Clemson should have done us a favor and won. Yeah. Joked. And, you know, now Ohio State has to run the table and beat Michigan for the first time. And so, yeah, you know, I will so, tell you that I am a little bit nervous about the rest of the season because I could eat and I hate to say this, but I'm not I, I could easily see Ohio State losing to Penn State. I even think they oh, might sure. struggle against Purdue a little bit. I, you know, you could be have that hangover before the game. You know, you're always looking ahead. You can have a bad game against Purdue, but but I, I just don't see Ohio State beating 
Penn State and then beating at Michigan. I, I just don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we got we got to remember. You know, Ohio State should have beat Georgia last year. Should have. Right? Yeah. Yep. So, but they had C.J. Stroud. I mean, you had you had a top quality no, exactly, elite. Exactly. But Saturday's game, you know, definitely was a confidence builder for McCord. I mean, remember yep. there was a competition, and now they have yep. the quarterback. You know, they yep. they have their quarterback. He won a big game on the road. And I think that, you know, in the development of a quarterback, winning a big game on the road is a pretty big step, right? It's something yep. that, you know, we saw Book come in and do it, I think, at North Carolina. You know, we saw Kaiser, you know, come in and do it at Virginia. You know, those those things are kind of like milestones in the life of a college quarterback. Um, so, you know, I would expect uh, – I would not be surprised if, you know, both Notre Dame and, and Ohio State are better teams five weeks from now. Yeah. I, agree. I, I think that's very possible. Yeah, very possible. They're 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 two good teams, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, let's hope that we end up being the better team, but we'll we'll find yeah. out here. We got plenty of opportunity to show it, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I do want to say the last point I was gonna make is I I I have to say I was really impressed with how Hartman hung in the pocket and progressed through his reads. I think there was at least two, maybe three times where he hit his fourth read. <laughs> Um, yeah. And that throw over the middle where he re- where he was bouncing on his feet, left, right, middle, and then threw it. I mean, that was a thing of beauty. And that's something we have not had in a long time at Notre Dame. Somebody that has the ability to see the field like that. And, and that does make a difference. I mean, that, that I thought was huge. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for that uh, Ricky Pearsall guy, I think, you know, Evans would have had the catch of the year. I mean, that was yeah. – that- that was a grab that I've just <laughs> I still marvel at. I've watched it a yeah. couple times now, and uh, it's really something. And I think Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated made a good point. You know, you would think after the last year, what we've seen that on those fourth and shorts, that Evans would have taken the snap and not Hartman for a sneak. Yeah. But his point was that after the concussion protocol, you know, that maybe that's why that didn't happen, that they didn't want that's him a good, there. Yeah, that's a good point. point yeah. You know? doing that so um so these little things that's that's what made this such a good game is there were so many little things uh that you could that you could claim the game hinged on um and you wouldn't be wrong (laughs) right every every almost every play had some uh some bigger implications or could have led to something else to a different outcome so um and unfortunately for for notre dame there were a lot of those yeah added up yeah all right coffee i'll start with you what do you what's your prediction well, um, I don't see Duke's defense being close to as formidable as Ohio State's. And uh, while I think their players are good, again, not Ohio State. I'm picking 35 to 20 Notre Dame, Notre Dame wins. Ed, what do you think? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back over 40 actually, and I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say. Notre Dame, 45 to 20. Oh, it's interesting. I, I'm 45, 17. I, I think I'm going to get over 40 again, too. I, it could be that they pull away late, too. Yeah. You know, it might be it might be like 24, 17 and a half or, or 24, 10 and a half. Um, but I, I think they're going to pound them in the second half. I think they're going to separate themselves just by controlling the football running in. I think it's going to be really hard. Duke's going to have to start to gamble. And then, like you say, you get that missed tackle, and there's ten on the line, and estimate's gone. So I think there's going to be some 
scores that we're going to put up because of the uh, pressure that we apply on them in the, in, in the second half. The, the thing that kind of scares me, which is I think has bigger implications, that if Notre Dame loses, or um, if they're you know um, you know sloppy lose, in the win. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, but I, I mean, I think that that will it, it will mean that they were out coached because I don't think that Duke's um, you know Duke's talent um, can hang with Notre Dame. But if they can, you know, Elko's Elko's sharp. I think he's a good coach. I mean, he's going to try a few things. There's no yeah, doubt about it. They've got, they've got a mobile yeah. quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, they could, they could, you know, I, you're going to see some wrinkles for sure. Yeah. And it's going to be another game where Golden's going to have to adjust on the fly and Parker's going to have to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, kind of understand the flow of the game and recognize some looks and communicate them to Hartman because, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tricky, real tricky. Yeah. Yeah. True. At least for a while. It'll be nerve-wracking for us in those first two quarters, that's for it sure. <laughs> I'm it not looking will. forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure my dogs aren't either. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, good. Um, you know, we, we, in the last four minutes, um, you know, the Cubs have gone from up six, nothing, to up oh, six, God. five. And literally, literally, this guy has thrown four wild pitches out of his last five pitches for the Cubs. And he's about to he's about to throw in the uh, he's about to throw another one to to let in the tie and run. I mean, what a what a freaking unbelievable! Yeah, their bullpen is just absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they they swept. They you know they've had they had a good week. Yeah, oh, they've been playing well the last four games. But four games, uh, why are you saying this is as if it's a bad thing? I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm perplexed. Uh, There's no White Sox hats around here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, right, no, somewhere. yeah, you've got you've got no. Uh, You've got no other choice than to root against the Cubs. That gives me something to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, All right. Good deal. Right, we'll guys. leave it there. You've been listening to Dome and Domer, an online conversation about Notre Dame sports from a fan's perspective. For Edger Danik, Mike Coffee, I'm Mike Brammer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>